0: Consciousness returns slowly. I'm not sure where I am, but it's warm, and I can hear a fire crackling close by. I'm lying on my back, spread-eagled, and whatever's underneath me is soft and comfortable. I try flexing Michael's arms and legs. They're tied down securely, with what feels like leather straps. I've got maybe half an inch of slack in each one, no more than that. My weapons and other gear seem to be AWOL. I try singing again, but that damned binding still has me cut off from my power. I don't like this, a woman's voice says from somewhere nearby. Well, that's a sentiment I can agree with. We should just cast out the rider and put a bullet in his head. On second thought, maybe not. That wouldn't solve the problem. They'd just send someone else. The second voice also belongs to a woman, but she's definitely not local. British, maybe, or Australian. Somewhere that's not here, anyway. I don't recognize the voice, but something about it seems weirdly familiar. Won't they do that anyway? It's not like he's going to help us. We'll see about that. The first voice sputters for a second, and I can't blame her. Sarah, he's ridden. He's one of them. You can't seriously think for a minute he's going to... Peace, child of Adam. The words are spoken quietly, but there's so much authority there that the monkey shuts up immediately. And then I recognize the music behind the voice, and this whole situation gets a thousand times more disturbing. I open my eyes and look around. I'm lying on a bed, of course, and I'm bound to the four posts of a wooden bed frame, one of the old oak ones that weigh about 500 pounds, none of that Ikea shit. They've stripped my host body down to the skivvies, and my hardware is nowhere in sight. Not that any of it would have made a difference. Not with her here. Her host body looks good, bathed in firelight. Tall, slender, and athletic, with just enough tits and ass to make sure you know you're looking at a grown woman. Her close-fitting thermal body stocking shows off every line and curve. The face is lovely, with a straight, slender nose high cheekbones, and just a few lines around the eyes and mouth to show for her hardships. Her hair is a shocking white blonde, like an albino's, and her eyes are a sapphire blue deep enough to drown in. Michael's body approves of the view. My reaction is more complicated, because I can see the spirit behind those eyes. She smiles almost wistfully. Hello, Alasta. Mike's mouth has gone dry, and it takes me a moment to find our voice. Sir Raphael? I look up and down her host body again. You're, um. You're looking well? So are you. Her lip twitches at the corner, but just for a second. All things considered. Sarah's aide looks about ready to pop a blood vessel. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You know this guy? Sarah glances back briefly over her shoulder, then looks at me again. I did. Once. There's so much sadness there, in her eyes and in the music of her spirit, that I want to reach out to her, to comfort her. It's a feeling I haven't felt in aeons. Literally. The aide steps out of the shadows, glowering. She's hard everywhere Sarah is soft, angular where Sarah is rounded, and her dark eyes have the cold, hungry look of a predator. But he's working for the dukes now. He's ridden. Whatever he was before, that makes him the enemy. Sarah shakes her head. Alice, I don't know the host. I know him. She gestures at me. This is alastair the hunter. He was part of my choir. Alice's eyes widen a moment, then narrow to slits. She looks at me like she's trying to figure out the best place to start cutting. My respect for her goes up a little. Okay, so he used to work for you. So what? He's a traitor now. A demon. Why shouldn't we send him back to the abyss where he belongs? Sarah says nothing. She closes her eyes, and a muscle jumps in the corner of her jaw as her body goes tense. She's about three seconds from slapping Alice. I know she'd feel horrible if she did that, so I decide to cut the monkey a break. You're talking about things you can't understand, Alice. Your poets wrote about a war in heaven, but it wasn't like that. Not a war with swords and shields and fights over territory. It was more like... I search for an analogy. Like a really awful divorce. Or if two conjoined twins started cutting pieces off of each other. The spiritual essence of the entire fucking universe tore itself apart. You don't have words for that kind of pain. Alice looks thoughtful at that. Or as thoughtful as a monkey gets, anyway. But you fought and banished demons before, Sarah. What's different about this elaster? Sarah looks up at me, her eyes bright with tears. Alice sees her expression and rocks back a step. Oh, shit. He was your lover, wasn't he? Shut up, I snap at her, suddenly furious. Don't you dare try to apply your little fleshbag labels to what we had. She gave me my music, Alice. We blended spirit. Compared to that, your pathetic monkey sex is about as intimate as living in the same zip code. Alasta, enough, Sarah says. You said it yourself. She can't understand. Please don't belittle her for it. Grudgingly, I nod. Sarah puts her hand on Alice's shoulder. Would you give us some privacy, Alice? Alice looks back and forth between us and fidgets. Alice, Sarah says. Her voice is gentle but earnest. Do you trust me? Alice looks at her for a minute, then takes a deep breath and nods. Yes, of course then please let me speak to Alaster alone. I promise I will do nothing to endanger you or your people. Alice leaves. A gust of cold air rushes in when she opens the door, and a shudder runs through my host's body, the skin prickling into goosebumps. Sarah clucks her tongue and throws a few blankets over me, then sits down on the bed beside me. I am sorry about this. She points to the straps tying me down. I can't exactly shrug, but I twitch my shoulders a little. Yeah, well, I came here trying to capture or kill your humans, so... She smiles bitterly. I should have known they'd send you. I didn't even know you were here. Brimstone, I didn't know you were on this planet. Sarah shrugs. You didn't think you could conquer the humans and we'd just let it happen, did you? Not at first, but it's been twenty years, Sarah. I figured that if you were coming, Michael would have marched in with the host by now. Didn't you just chide Alice for taking the war in heaven too literally? Sure, but check it out. I nod down at my body. We made it literal. She sighs, running a hand absently over my chest. So you did. But if we showed ourselves openly... If we resorted to direct violence, the humans and everything else would be caught in the middle. The death toll would be unimaginable. I look at her seriously for a long moment. You really care about them, don't you? Yes, she says, simply. They're freaks, I say. Not spirit, but they've turned into something more than just matter. It's a perversion, a monster we should have strangled in the cradle. She reaches under my shirt and runs her fingers over Mike's chest. I can feel her spirit underneath the skin, and the touch of it sends an old ache through me. Do you really believe that? she asks gently. Or are you just repeating the potty line? I start to deny it automatically, but something stops me. Maybe it's the feel of her host's skin against mine. Then I start to think about the things I've enjoyed since I started my little psychic joyride. The adrenaline rush of a halo drop, the happy, sore feeling of muscles after a good workout, the touch of silk and satin and leather, the taste of bacon cheeseburgers and good beer. Don't get me wrong, being pure spirit has benefits that you monkeys can't even dream of. I wasn't blowing smoke up Alice's skirt when I told her about the intimacy I'd shared with Seraphiel. But sometimes, having a mortal body is pretty bitchin' too. Sarah sees the admission in my eyes and smiles. She pulls back the covers and lies down half atop me, her cheek resting on my shoulder. Mike's shoulder? Fuck it, it's mine for the moment, anyway. She runs her fingers over my face, tracing around my earlobe and down the line of my jaw. There's something tragically beautiful about these humans, Alasta. They have such a tiny span of life, and they fill it to bursting with joy and sadness, love and loss, pleasure and pain. Their time is an instant, barely a grace note in the symphony. But they live, Alasta. By the stars, they live. I... yes, yes, they do. I normally pride myself on being a better conversationalist than this, but the feel of Sarah's body pressed up against mine is having some distracting side effects. She notices, and a playful smile crosses her lips. Well, well, what have we here? She reaches down and traces her fingers over the tent in my boxers. A shiver runs through my host's entire body, and Michael's cock grows suddenly, painfully hard. I thought that pathetic monkey sex didn't mean anything to you. I clear my throat. throat) Well, it's the host, you know. All the physical appetites are still there. Hey, how did you get a host, anyway? Was it goetic science, or some sort of prayer ritual, or... Sarah pulls down the waistband of the underwear wraps her hand around Mike's shaft, and squeezes. Don't try to change the subject, Al. Wouldn't dream of it, I gasp. She runs her thumb around the base of the cock and cups my balls in her hand. Then she curls her fingers, lightly dragging her nails over the skin. Our spirits brush together wherever the skin touches— and I can feel our power vibrating in sympathy on old, familiar notes. At the same time, though, other notes jangle with dissonance, the places where my music changed when I left Sarah's choir. It's bliss and agony together, like tearing open stitches in the throes of orgasm. I feel like I can't bear it another second, and I never want it to stop. Because it's her here with me again. Sarah. I struggle against the restraints, suddenly afraid. Afraid that she's going to keep going, and even more afraid that she won't. But I'm bound up tight, body and spirit alike, and I'm not going anywhere until she releases me. There are a lot of reasons why the war in heaven happened. Part of it was about independence, about the freedom to create our own movements in the symphony. And part of it was about surrender, or, rather, the fear of doing so. Heaven was a place of hierarchy, of dominance and submission. Sarah was the archangel of my choir. She gave me my music, and I followed her lead. My music, my spirit, my essence, were hers to command. Do you have any idea how utterly terrifying that is, to put yourself completely in another's power, It's like having them hold you out over the edge of a cliff. I feared the loss of myself, my uniqueness, my own voice. I couldn't trust anyone that completely, not even Seraphiel. I ran away. But as much as it frightened me, as much as I rebelled against the whole idea of surrender, a part of me hungered for it, burned for it every day of my exile. It was, after all, what I was made for. Sarah opens her mouth and sings, calling up the notes that she wrote for me in the age before ages. Sympathy and dissonance, war for control inside my spirit, pulling toward her, pulling away. The pain is unbearable. Sarah, I gasp, as tears fill my host's eyes. (laughs) I... I don't think I can do this. You can, she says gently. She takes her hand from my cock and unzips her body stocking, wriggling out of it with one impossibly smooth, elegant undulation. She straddles my waist, seating herself just in front of my shaft, and leans forward until we're face to face. The melody is still there, Al. I can feel it inside you you just need to stop fighting it. I can't. She presses her lips to mine, kissing me like it comes naturally to her. A portion of her spirit comes with the kiss, mixing with mine, and the pain and ecstasy amplify themselves a hundredfold. I find myself returning the kiss passionately, letting Mike guide our lips and tongue in the unfamiliar dance. We part after a brief eternity and I gasp as the feeling of blissful torture eases. Relief and a terrible emptiness rush in as one. You can, Sarah says again. It's your choice, Al. It was always your choice. Don't you see that? You can be whole again. What freedom has your exile brought you, save the freedom to be less than you are? And why should someone else get to decide who I am? Worms and brimstone, I'm not giving up without a fight. An angel has his pride, after all. Sarah kisses my brow, then follows it with a line of kisses down my cheek and the line of my jaw. A star can't decide not to shine, Al. A tree can't decide to become a stone. Even the humans, with all their creative spark are still limited by their own genetics. We all have our parts to play in the symphony. She looks into my eyes with those incredible pools of blue. I can see the emotions playing out inside them. Hunger, desire, and a terrible longing. Your part is still waiting for you, if you'll have it, if you'll sing with me again. She puts her hands on my chest and pushes herself back, grinding her hips against my crotch. She's soaking wet down there, and I can feel her lips sliding up and down my cock, slicking it with her own juices. My host body is screaming to be inside her, and from the flush spreading over her breasts, I can tell she feels the same way. But she holds herself back, waiting, her eyes fixed to mine. I want to be with you again, Al, she says, her voice and breathing ragged. But it has to be your choice. I can't force you. And with that, I feel her binding slide away from me. I can sing again, and after taking one deep, trembling breath, I do. The first note comes out sharp, with a harsh, jagged edge that cuts across her spirit form like razor wire. A line of red opens on her host body's cheek and begins seeping blood. She raises a hand and touches the wound, looks down at the blood staining her fingertips, eyes wide. Worms! I try again, calling up a song of healing that's been sitting in an unused corner of my memory for ten thousand years. It's a simple song, and I managed to heal the cut, but it strains my spiritual voice to do it. I'm out of practice. Sarah touches the cheek again and smiles. Thank you. I... I'm sorry. The words feel strange on my lips. I feel something else, too. A tiny bit of pressure being released. Pressure I hadn't even realized was there. I forgive you. Sarah lowers herself down and kisses me, slow and deep. It doesn't hurt as much this time. Here, let me start a new follow. I just nod. She leans back and grinds against me again, getting me back to full hardness. She sings while she does it, the leading melody of the music she taught me. I join in with the harmony, submitting to her lead and the tones ring out pure, clear, and sweet. The pain fades, and the pressure lessens even more. I want to say something, to tell her what I'm feeling, but neither of us will stop the song for anything now. She senses my agreement through our bond, my surrender, and she opens herself, body and spirit, and lets me in. I buck my hips and thrust inside her, driving my spirit deep into hers as our host bodies pant and writhe in ecstasy. Our thoughts and memories chase each other along the staves of the symphony, dancing along arpeggios and holding each other tightly across the fermatas. I can feel the ugliness inside me, the sorrow and destruction I have worked in the world as I sought to write my own melodies without her. I see it all. And feel ashamed, but I also feel her love wrapping around me, lifting me up. Her forgiveness, trying to free me of those burdens. I yield to her touch, to her music, and with two sharp notes, she slashes apart the chords that held me down. I feel a sudden release, and my spirit soars in a crescendo alongside seraphiels. Our bodies are moving in unison, my hips thrusting upward as she rides me with reckless animal passion. Orgasms crash like cymbals and roar like timpani as our song reaches a sudden, thundering climax. And for a moment, time seems to stop, as matter and spirit alike are joined in the delights of two made one. Sarah collapses atop me, our skin flushed and soaked with sweat. She releases my bonds with a few brief notes, and I wrap her in my arms, kissing her, running my hands all over her beautiful human skin. She does the same as our spirits sing the last lines of the song in pure, perfect unison. Sarah lets out a happy little sigh and relaxes against me. I knew you could do it, she murmurs. I smile and relax with her. Pulling the blankets up and over us, I wrap my arms around her and close my eyes. It all feels good and right and beautiful. It feels like heaven. The last of the trucks is loaded by noon the next day. Give these humans credit. They've learned how to run an efficient operation. Most of them don't trust me to help, so I stay out of the way and watch as Sarah and Dallas coordinate their troops. Somebody brings me a thermos of coffee, and I sip from it between bites of my ration bar. As the trucks roll out, Sarah comes back to join me in the center of the now-abandoned village. She sits down with me on the steps of the cabin where we spent the night together. The scry-shield won't hold after I leave, she says. Alice will take them to the fallback site. Hasdeel is waiting for them. I'll catch up later. I nod. I hope your backup location is somewhere far away from here. Once the shield goes down, the dukes will scout everywhere within 200 miles trying to find them. I give her a sideways glance. And don't tell me where it is, either. Save her that way. She leans against me, resting her head on my shoulder. I know. I wish we didn't have to send you back into that... that snake pit. I smirk at her choice of metaphor. Hey, remember who you're dealing with here? Treachery and deception? Pretty much my game. I turn to face her and place a gentle kiss on her lips. Burn the place down when we leave, and I'll tell them it was some technical gizmo that produced the shield. I'll keep the hunters off you for as long as I can. She takes my hand, squeezes it. They're going to catch on to you sooner or later. When that happens, I can't guarantee I'll be in the position to help. I know. But if Michael here is killed, and I'm cast out of the world, I'll be there for you, Sarah says. I promise. I bow my head to her, and it feels comfortable and right. My lady... She puts her hand on my head, and I feel the warmth of her blessing rolling over me. My love. I take her hand and kiss it once, feeling the last brief mingling of our spirits. Then I stand, strap on my gear, and head off into the wilderness. Michael's voice stirs inside our shared head. Do you think we'll ever see her again? In that body? I doubt it. I suspect our career as a double agent will be as brilliant and effective as it is short. I pause a moment, then add, Is that all right with you, Michael, old boy? Not having second thoughts, are you? Michael smiles with our shared face. About helping her? Never. She's a hell of a woman. I let out a bark of laughter. Michael, my friend, that is about the single least accurate thing you could possibly have said about her. From up on the ridge, we watch as Seraphiel calls down fire and immolates the town. It's an impressive show, and a sobering reminder. As much as Sarah loves healing and peace and beauty, she can bring the wrath when she needs to. I watch the town burn, and for a moment... I think of how I first imagined this scene, filled with humans running and screaming in terror. It feels like I'm looking at a twisted reflection of myself. And, in a way, I suppose I am. Sarah's song rises up from the valley, and my spirit sings back in reply. The sweet harmony of the songs reminds me of who I once was, who I may be again. I think of her forgiveness and her promise, and the tears spill unbidden from my eyes. Then I turn away, toward the west and the afternoon sun, as I begin the hunt for my redemption. The End And that was our story, Tears Such as Angels Weep. I hope you enjoyed it. Hey there, folks. This is Chris Lester. You're listening to The Raven in the Writing Desk, the weekly show where I share my fresh new fiction with you. This is episode 218. I hope you'll forgive me for switching up the format on you, but given the lack of a good stopping point, I wanted to present this story with as little interruption as possible. Now, let's get on with the rest of the episode. Here's your weekly writing report. I wrote 4,027 words last week, over the course of 5.25 hours, for an average writing speed of 767 words per hour. As of Friday, January 3rd, I have gone 79 days without breaking my chain. I made a little more progress last week on None Shall Dwell Within. At the time I'm recording this, the story is still in Chapter 9, and the manuscript is about 26,400 words. My writing progress was lower last week, because I had to do prep work for two episodes at once. I'm on vacation in Michigan when this episode is airing, and that means I had to record episode 217 on New Year's Day and 218 on the following Saturday, so I could have all of the raw audio finished before we had to leave. So I worked on the novel on three days and spent the other four either writing scripts or editing the podcast. I also did some back-of-house work on my new story collection, Distant Realms. This included some final formatting corrections and a few tweaks to the cover of the paperback, as well as getting the pre-orders up for sale. More on that later in the show. Over on the Patreon campaign, we have two new patrons this month. Say hello to Heather and Blue Elf Designs. If you like what I'm doing on this show, becoming a patron is the best way to help me keep doing it. 91% of whatever you donate goes directly to me. That helps me pay for things like web hosting, podcast distribution, printing costs, and cover art. As a thank you for donating, all my patrons get access to the Behind the Episode podcast, an unscripted show where I talk about story inspirations, world building, Easter eggs, and other inside perspectives you can't get anywhere else. It's delivered to you in a custom RSS feed that's just for you, so you'll never miss an episode. All patrons also get regular installments of bonus art from our talented team of Metamore City artists, and an annual holiday card with exclusive artwork. And if you pledge $3 a month or more, you get access to even more cool stuff. Character bios, sneak peeks at upcoming stories, cover reveals, and more. To get started, head on over to patreon.com slash author chris lester, take a look at the donation tiers, and choose the one that's right for you. Every little bit helps. And if you're already a patron, thank you so much for your support. And now, the feedback. Feedback is continuing to come in on my science fiction story, The Nearness of You. Sarah Testarossa writes, Beautifully written story, Chris. The resolution and ending are wonderful and made me tear up. Abby says, I hope you plan on publishing The Nearness of You as a standalone. It's a great story and makes me curious about the world it's written in. All the characters are very relatable. Donna Wade was particularly struck by Jill's internal struggles in Part 4. OMG, the voice that lies! That's just what it sounds like. It disguises itself as helpful but unpleasant truth. It's really impossible to know if it's not giving a fair assessment, unless someone outside your own head weighs in. Then the voice tells you they get tired of being called on too much. Circular logic plus a downward spiral. She later followed up to say, I just listened to the last episode of Nearness. Beautiful. Thank you all so much for the kind words. As you can probably tell, this story is near and dear to my heart. I'm very glad that I finally had the chance to share it with you. In response to Abby's question, I don't currently have plans to publish it as a standalone story, but it is one of the 13 stories in my new collection, Distant Realms. This book will be released on February 1st, and you can pre-order it now on Amazon, Smashwords, and Kobo. It will also be available for libraries to purchase on Overdrive, so let your friendly neighborhood librarian know if you'd like them to carry it. All of my other books are available now on Overdrive, too. If you'd like to share your thoughts about the show, send your feedback in text or audio to metamorecityfeedback at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, dial area code 641-715-3900 then enter extension 255082, followed by the pound sign. My Facebook is facebook.com slash author chris lester. The fan group is fans of Metamore City on Facebook, and our Discord server is Metamore City. I'm there pretty often, so come say hi. If you like this show, please consider leaving a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser.com. It really helps people find the show. That's all for this week. I'll be back next time with more fresh new fiction. Until then, keep it on the bright side. This is Chris Lester, signing out. The contents of this podcast are copyright 2019 and 2020 by Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. The show is released under a Creative Commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, So don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. For more information about this license, please visit creativecommons.org.